Welcome back to Suruj Podcast. In the last episode, we heard how Karam Chand, who's Chandu's son, and Ratan Chand, who's Kheril's son, went together to the court of Jalandhar, where they met with the leader there, Abdul Khan. They convinced him to ride out against Guru Hargobind with his 15,000 strong force. And in great excitement and enthusiasm, these battle-hardened soldiers strapped up, decking themselves with the finest of weapons. The distribution of bullets and gunpowder began. Eventually, they all got ready and set off from Jalandhar, heading west towards the Bias River. The last episode ended with them crossing the river to the west side of the, of the river, technically now Majab. So chapter 31 now begins describing how after crossing the river, they were about two kilometers from Urhilla. That's where the enemy then set up their camp. Abdul Khan, the great strong general, made sure to take care of all his troops there. And they started to make the plan for battle. They separated the entire force into various divisions. One battalion was given under the command of somebody named Badam Khan, who was standing there amongst his warriors strapped in weapons. He was an excellent swordsman. Knowing how to move around, his footwork, his techniques were very sophisticated. He had a thousand troops with him. These troops all had strong arms with them. The second general was named Muhammad Khan. He was an excellent archer. He had a very heavy and vicious bow, which could pull and fire off many arrows. He defeated many great enemies face on. He had won many battles. He was extremely strong and quite vicious, ferocious. He also had a thousand troops allotted to him who were ready to fight. The third was Balwanda Khan. He would create such havoc in the battlefield. He had a very devastating spear with him. One which had a spearhead that looked like a flower petal. He had about a thousand troops with him as well. The fourth, Ali Baksh, was a great warrior. And with great courage, he would fire off his matchlock rifle. He would have these helpers with him beside him that would fill his rifle after he would shoot it off. They would put the gunpowder, the bullets in. So he had multiple guns with multiple helpers, um, always at his side, ready. And he would be able to then constantly fire off and kill the enemy. Um, he was quite uh, renowned for this skill. The fifth was Imam Baksh. He knew the science of weapons well. He was an excellent horse rider. He would roam around the battlefield here and there with great enthusiasm. So these were the five main generals. They all had a thousand each of troops. So in total, 5,000. They all got ready uh, for battle. Abdul Khan had two kids who knew the science of weapons well as well. Uh, the eldest was named Nabi Baksh and the youngest, Karim Baksh. They were both wearing such beautiful gold jewelry which was embedded with gems and diamonds, which were glistening so brightly. Under them, they had the finest, most expensive horses, which would jump around like dancers. They were so agile. Both of these sons, Green Baksh and Nabi Baksh, had 2,000 soldiers allotted to them. They were calling out to them, gather your strength, let's kill the enemy. Meanwhile, Abdul Khan himself kept 6,000 soldiers with him as a reserve force. And this is how the warriors were then split up. So 5,000 amongst the five generals first mentioned. Abdul Khan had two kids, 2,000 each there. So that's 4,000. Abdul Khan then had 6,000. So again, 15,000 in total. All of these soldiers adorned the great love of warfare within them. So meanwhile, the news of the enemy setting up camp came to Guru Hargobind. Somebody came and he panicked in front of Guru Hargobind and said, why are you just sitting there? Don't you understand what's happened? An army of 15,000 have approached in great anger. 
They have divided up into eight divisions. They are now mounted up, ready to battle. So ready yourself, gather your weapons, throw on the saddle on your horse, quickly. Gruhargumen heard this panicked news and then commanded, quickly, beat the battle drums, ready all the warriors, tell them to grab all their weapons and to come in front of me. Hearing this command of the Guru, all the warriors ready themselves, gathering their weapons. One Sikh named Jattu grabbed a rifle. Guru Hargobind saw him and then said, Jattu, take 200 cavalry troops with you. So warriors on horseback. Set up positions at the front. Tell everybody to grab their rifles and when the enemy approaches, when they are within range, command everybody to volley fire, to fire at once. Guru Hargobind then saw a Sikh named Kalyana. Guru Hargobin gave him a command of a hundred cavalry troops and said, quickly, light your matches on your rifles, shoot down at them when in sight to save yourselves. Then there was a Sikh named Nanno who had weapons strapped on him. He was a powerful warrior who killed many enemies. Guru Hargobin gave him 300 warriors and said, go kill the Malaysh, the barbarians with great force. And then there was a Sikh named Paraga who came in front of Guru Hargobind. The Guru looked so gracefully upon him and gave him 500 warriors, saying, Go forward, prevent the troops from pushing through. Guru Hargobind then looked and saw a Sikh named Matra, an extremely powerful warrior who had adorned weapons. Guru Hargobind commanded him with 400 cavalry troops and said, Go kill the Turks. In front of Guru Hargobind, another was a Sikh named Jagana. The Guru looked so gracefully upon him and gave him a hundred soldiers and told him, those enemies who are pushing forward, shoot them down. There was also Parasram, Shaktu. Both of them had quivers adorned on their body, along with bows. Their skill in archery was praised by many. They would all say, whoever gets hit by one of these arrows by Parasram and Shaktu, they won't survive. So Guru Hargobin gave Parasram 200 troops and Guru Hargobin took Shaktu into his own division. So there was also Molak, Malakjati, Anand, along with Bidichand and other great warriors. These warriors Guru Hargobin kept with him to fight and kill the enemies in battle. So just like the Turks had divided up their forces into eight divisions, Guru Hargobin had done that as well. And he was prepping his troops to offer these new guests, the Turks, some food. So the shields of the warriors were the plates the wide arrows were the jalebis, the swords were glistening and clean like clarified butter, the spearheads were like barfi, the countless bullets would be shakrapare, a type of sweet. The enemies were the guests who would consume all of these treats. So during the prep at that point, Abdul Khan sent over a messenger. He told the messenger to go in front of the Guru and say, Oh Guru, leave this area. If you leave, then your misdeeds will be forgotten. It's not wise for you to go around starting conflict. So that messenger was sent over. As he approached, he saw all the warriors getting ready, prepping themselves for battle. And when he got in front of Guru Hargobind, he clasped his hands together. He bowed down to the Guru before then saying, Guru Hargobind, Abdul Khan, the general, has sent a message for you. You have killed Kherar for no reason. And in taking this land, you have now constructed this fort. Who did you ask to do this? And before this, you stole the emperor's hawk. You sit on the throne of the fakirs, of the holy men. Why have you now adopted the traditions, the customs, the mentality of royalty? You have no fear for anybody in your mind. You stood face on in battle against the emperor. Even still, 
all your misdeeds will be forgotten and forgiven if you leave this village and go somewhere else. If you don't leave, I will listen to these pleas about your misdeeds and take action against them with the power of my army. We will restore everything how it was. We will get revenge and take that hawk off of you, giving it back to the emperor. We'll capture you alive and take you there too to Lahore. With whose glory are you sitting here so cocky and steady? There are 15,000 warriors here. In great rage, they will swell up upon you. Either you'll be captured or you'll be killed. There won't be any hope of your release after that. Gruhargumen heard this and was just enraged by this and spoke back. Running away, one becomes a fool, a coward. We will win this massive war. Shah Jahan is your emperor. For us, it's the divine creator, Allah. Capture or killed, well, we'll know soon enough who will come to that. And in the world, we have adorned both the meaty, the sovereign, the royal, and the piri, the spiritual. We sit on both the gaddi, the seat of the guru, but also the taqat, the throne. It's our duty, our responsibility to fight in battle, to create these battlefields, to destroy the enemy. That path of death, which we sent Mughlas Khan, we're going to send you down that path as well quickly too. There's no misdeed in killing an enemy. Sin is attributed there, where one pains the holy, the sadhus. The only conflict I created was for the purpose of killing the likes of you. This is all caused by you, it cannot be erased now. I tried so many times to explain to Kedar, but death had enticed him and guided him not to understand. What fort did I make? I've only made a place to relax here for four days. You have all mounted up in the most unwise manner. And even then, we're ready to forgive you. If you want what's best for you, then you should get out of here. Otherwise, understand that your death is near. Messenger, go tell Abdul Khan. If you want to meet Mughlas Khan, then come quickly without any delay. But if you stop and leave, then you will live on. Out of these two options, think carefully about them. If you fight, you'll obtain death. If you pull back, you'll live. So the messenger heard this, just shook his head, then traveled back after seeing Guru Hargobind's difficult nature. He went and explained all of this to Abdul Khan, telling him how the Guru responded fearlessly. Just like how a tiger is never afraid, not even in his sleep. That's how I saw the brave Guru Hargobind, the messenger is telling Abdul Khan. Forget any minister, provincial leader. He's not even afraid of the emperor. He's ready now to fight in battle. He's not afraid. He's not going to back down. He spoke clearly about this all. So Abdul Khan heard this message and was just enraged and commenced the preparations for war. The battle drums of his were beating and they began to move forward against the Guru's position. Many of their troops let off volley fire, the noise of which traveled through the air. So just a side note here, this wasn't directed at anybody, just largely a scare tactic. The army traveled forward like a large cloud. The matches on the rifles were lit gloriously and were like the smoke in the clouds. And the crack from the guns were like thunder and lightning. The bullets falling down were like hail. The cowards seeing this were like the snakes seeing the thunder and the lightning. The snakes retreat into the earth. The warriors though, they heard this, they saw this, and they were like peacock when the rain comes. They were so delighted in seeing all this. The bullets were like raindrops falling from the sky in a downpour. And all of this was happening because the heavy wind like arrows of Guru Hargobind had not yet streamed forward. 
This is how the scene was appearing. And this is how chapter 31 concludes. The next chapter, we're going to hear how the battle commences. So that's what we're going to pick up next time. But as always, I'd like to thank those who have been supporting the podcast through the Mangla Charm Patreon page. Oh,